0: People are worried. They've got questions. They're wondering Did the Bible predict COVID 19? And is it a sign of the end of the world? This is Signs of the Times Radio with Kent Kingston. Well, it's interesting that increasingly over recent years, we've heard in the news media, you know, the bushfires earlier this year, or, you know, when we have some storm, there's increasingly this language we're hearing of, you know, this was a flood of biblical proportions. You know, we're hearing in mainstream news media, people use phrases like apocalyptic. It seems that even just everyday people, not even religious people necessarily, are starting to wonder what is going on? What is this unprecedented, extraordinary situation we find ourselves in with the COVID-19 situation, with other situations around the world? Now, because a lot of people are asking questions like this, we have published a web- online exclusive article on the Signs of the Times website, signsofthetimes.org.au. Looking at this, it's uh, entitled, Does the Bible Predict COVID-19? And to help us unpack this article, I have with me today, Pastor Danny Malenkov. How are you, Danny?
1: I'm great. Thank you, Kent. Pleasure to be here with you.
0: It's great to have you with us, Danny. And uh, so you're a local Seventh-day Adventist pastor around the area of Lake Macquarie. What is your situation as far as your job is concerned, as far as your church is concerned in this sort of you know, lockdown situation in which we find
1: ourselves? Well, you mentioned the word unprecedented, and certainly I'm finding myself in an unprecedented ministerial situation after pastoring for some 20-odd years in Australia and New Zealand. For the first time, I've had to tell my church members not to come to church and the general community, which is uh, really strange. So yeah, we, we don't have our church doors open due to the social distancing requirements that have been put in by our Australian government. So we are live streaming our services. But I'm keeping busy. I'm keeping very busy, but learning to do life in a very different way through Zoom. I've just learned how to use Zoom recently, and I'm enjoying exploring that. But yeah, we are living in very strange and unusual times. I would totally agree with that. And people are asking a lot of questions. So I'm I'm actually spending quite a bit of time helping people with that, unpacking some of these questions that people have from a biblical perspective.
0: Yes, so so there's a real sense out there, you're sensing it too, are you, that people are asking questions, what is, what is going on?
1: Oh, absolutely, yes. People have been asking questions for some time now. I think uh, for those that will remember uh, 9-11 or September 11th, almost 20 years ago, that was a a, a real earth-shattering event, especially for those of us living here in the West. And since then, there has been a steady increase in Political instability, economic instability, there's been more social tension and social divide, not to mention natural disasters uh, have been on the rise. If you take a look at the statistics that come to us from the, the various scientists and government agencies that are that are monitoring what's going on. And so people have been wondering and asking for a little while. And you know, you've mentioned the bushfires. We we had we had a drought before that, and then there were floods that followed the bushfires, and and then all of a sudden this, this incredible pandemic that has just tipped our world upside down. So people are asking questions. They're, they're wanting to know what's going on. There's a lot of people living in fear. Anxiety is very high. And I guess, yeah, just people want to have some certainty in their lives. Yeah, that's uh, that's fantastic, and
0: that's certainly where where we, we want to get to. But just before we do, you know, you talked about anxiety. You talked about you know mental health. Is, is this something that you're seeing, you know, amongst your members or in the community that people are? feeling particularly anxious right now. Perhaps people who are already vulnerable are maybe struggling a, a little extra or or not.
1: I haven't had the opportunity to go and spend a lot of time with a lot of people because of the the social distancing and the lockdown that we currently have. Most people are in their homes and they're they're reluctant to to connect with um too many people however i have had a few conversations i've had some text messages come through to me of individuals who are already struggling with mental health issues at the best of times and this is really taking them to another level and so i'm doing my best to try and connect with them keep in touch with them and help them as much as possible but i think we're all very well aware the government's just pumped in I don't know how many billions of dollars into mental health not so long ago to to prop up that system. And so it it is a major issue. And so once again, I believe the only way to, to, to help people with their current mental health issues is to point them to something positive. And there's many ways we can do that. There's health and lifestyle practices that can aid in that. I believe scripture can aid in that. I've been encouraging my church members to get on the phone. We are blessed at the church that I pastor, Hillview Church, that we have a, a friendship directory that's available to all the church family so people can call up one another, and I've got a lot of church uh, members calling up one another. I've got the leadership of the church calling up individuals. So we're doing our best to try and help people as much as we possibly can.
0: Yeah, and but interestingly, on the I guess on the flip side, yes, there are people who are struggling because of this, but on the on the other side, it does seem that there is a renewed enthusiasm in some church circles. It's like this situation has. I don't know, it's caused people to maybe reflect, you know, afresh on their spirituality, on their faith, on what direction their life is going on. And to me, it seems that, you know, I'm seeing a lot of Christian people. just seem to have this renewed enthusiasm for their faith, particularly sharing it with their neighbors. You know, obviously, you know, that's mm. like you say, via phone call, via text message, via you know, an online means, but you know, they're out there letterboxing, they're out there contacting people in a more confident way than perhaps they, they have in the past. Is that something you're
1: observing too? Oh, absolutely. You mentioned people's uh, spiritual interest is growing, and that is true. I've got family members who on a given Saturday morning at 11 o'clock would not be watching a church service. But because there's not much to do now, they're, they're in their homes and they're tuning into our live stream service that we have at 11 o'clock on a Saturday morning. And I'm hearing this more and more, not just from my own family that I, I have that are generally not churchgoers. They're generally not that interested in spiritual matters, especially as they are in the Bible, but there are more and more people that are tuning in. There are church members that are sharing with me, that family members that, for whatever reason, have, have lost touch with biblical Christianity, where once they were practicing and no longer are they practicing, they are retuning and they're asking questions, they're wondering. And so there is that flip side, as you put it, where people have a renewed interest
0: yeah, no, that's, that's really interesting, which I guess, you know, brings us to, to the article I really want to focus our talk on today, Danny. The Bible does not mention COVID-19 no, specifically, but does the Bible say anything that is useful about this or, or perhaps, you know, are there parts of the Bible that people are currently sort of latching onto? Maybe that's an, an accurate thing to do. Maybe it's not. But what connections are people making right now with, with the Bible?
1: Well, the Bible does certainly speak of the time that we're living in and more than just COVID-19. The Bible does not obviously speak of COVID-19, it doesn't label this pandemic for for what we know it or, or coronavirus, but the Bible does very much speak about pestilences. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, the word pestilence or a variation of it is is referred to dozens of times. Uh, According to the New King James version of the Bible, some 81 times in the Old and New Testament, uh, that word appears. Jesus spoke of pestilences in Matthew chapter 24 and Luke chapter 21, two chapters that speak very specifically on the signs of, of His coming, signs that would precede the destruction of Jerusalem, which took place in 70 AD, as well as signs that would be in our world from His day for the next 2,000 years and all the way through to His coming that would climax. And so we have that in Scripture, and it's I, I, if you like, I can, I can refer to some of those passages for our listeners just to help them understand the context and what Jesus was saying.
0: Yeah, I was actually hoping you could give us just a, a thumbnail sketch, just take us through some of the major points there in in those chapters, you know, starting in Matthew 24. And I think uh, the, Luke's gospel, as Luke you said, 21, Luke yeah. 21, actually has a sort of a parallel right. there. And it's interesting, I think, Luke actually specifically mentions pestilence in, in in or plague in most um, modern translations whereas matthew 24 only does in say the king james version that's right yeah. um, but but it's there it's definitely there so yeah t- tell us uh, about matthew 24 luke 21 give, give us a bit, a bit of an outline
1: sure well in matthew 24 the beginning of the chapter the disciples come to jesus and they point his attention to the temple, to this incredible building, which was the pride of the nation, the beautiful temple. And Jesus makes an incredible statement. He says that the day is coming where not one stone will be left upon another. And as far as the disciples were concerned, as far as the Jewish nation were concerned, the destruction of their beloved temple would be, would be seen as the coming of Jesus. That's the end of the world mm-hmm. uh, as far as they were concerned. So they asked the question, tell us, and I'm reading from Matthew 24, verse 3, and now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And then Jesus goes on and he shares with them uh, signs that would precede the destruction of Jerusalem as well as signs that would precede His coming. Which, we, which can make it a little bit complicated, it can. can't it? Because it he,
0: can. he doesn't actually disabuse the His disciples of the notion that the destruction of the temple equals the, the end of the world. He kind of gives a, a dual answer without really separating one from another. Or at least that's my impression. Is, is that yours?
1: That's right, yeah. Jesus links these two events. He gives signs that would precede the destruction of Jerusalem and very similar signs that would precede the destruction of the world or the coming of Jesus. And so when we take a look at what happened with Jerusalem in 70 AD and what preceded the destruction of the temple and and the siege of Jerusalem and the overthrow of Jerusalem, it's really a small picture or on a small scale of what's going to happen worldwide at the end. So, Jesus goes on, and I won't read all the all the verses there, but he goes on, and in verse 4 and 5, he talks about false prophets and false Christs. And then Jesus goes on, and he talks about wars and rumors of wars, which we are well familiar with. And this past century, we had two world wars, unlike any other time in earth's history. And then I want to go to verse... Seven, where Jesus, after speaking of nation rising against nation and kingdom against kingdom, he says, And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. Now, Jesus here looks at three key events. He looks at famines, pestilences, and earthquakes. And as I took a look at these three particular signs, famines, pestilences, and earthquakes, of all the natural disasters that we face, these three create the most death and destruction. If you think about it, famines. Mm. We have today about 800 million people in the world suffering from severe famine. And then you have earthquakes. And we know when it comes to death and destruction, earthquakes are predominant the 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 predominant catastrophe that that we're all concerned about and it's interesting that of all the disasters of all the natural disasters earthquakes is the only one where you don't have uh you don't have any warning You don't have any warnings, Uh, there's another, there's a little bit more to that story, maybe for another day, but here, yeah, pestilence is is mentioned. Now, people might say, look, we've had pestilences for the last 2,000 years. We've had some very severe, you know, it's been mentioned, the Spanish flu 100 years ago. That's sort of been rediscovered most recently, hasn't it? I mean, that killed, what was it, a quarter of the,
0: or, or infected a quarter of the world's population or something? Horrific.
1: Yeah. Oh, it, it was an enormous amount, an enormous amount. Then you've got the Black Plague, I understand, I think, in the 14th century, and there have been many other plagues as well and in the uh, the article that we have on the
0: website you know that, that we referred to earlier by John Pauline he actually points these plagues out and says listen we've let's just have a little bit of perspective here what we're facing now with covid-19 is terrible and obviously it's not over yet but when we look at these press you know we use words like unprecedented well actually no we we have had much worse you look at spanish the spanish flu you look at the black plague these things actually were much worse but obviously it doesn't mean we shouldn't take it seriously but in terms of being unprecedented, perhaps not.
1: That's right. We we have had these. I think we probably need to take a look at what's going on in the context of where we are living, in the context of these other signs, because it's interesting what Jesus said in verse 8. He followed the famines and the pestilences and the earthquakes here in Matthew 24 with these words in verse 8. And I think these are key. These words are key. In particular, this metaphor that Jesus uses. He says, all these are the beginning of sorrows. Mm. Now, that word there, sorrows, is a very interesting word. Some of the modern translations will have the actual word that we understand this word sorrows to mean, which is birth pains or labour pains or contractions. Right. Okay. So, what Jesus here is saying, yes, there have always been wars and rumours of wars, There have always been individuals claiming to be Christ or claiming to be prophets or claiming to to lead the way as a Messiah kind of figure or someone to speak on behalf of God. And we've always had famines and pestilences and earthquakes. But as my coming draws near, just like contractions, those contractions will draw closer together and they will be more severe. Mm. And I've been blessed to to be there on two occasions when my two daughters were born and I'm not sure if you experienced that same privilege of being there to watch your two boys. Yeah,
0: yeah, what well, yeah, two two boys and you're right when the contractions get more severe and when they get closer together you know that something's happening. That's right. This this is a a warning that something big
1: is, is on its way. That's right. So what Jesus here is saying in Matthew 24, Luke 21, and you can also take a look at Mark chapter 13, those three chapters in those three gospels are specifically dedicated to signs of Jesus coming, signs concerning the destruction of Jerusalem. What we discover is Based on this metaphor that Jesus used or an analogy, we have a very very clear picture of as we draw near to the end, we can see a climax in all these different areas that will affect the world like at no other time in Earth's history. So what we are finding now is that our world, called a global village, is so impacted by economic chaos Uh, We've heard the saying, when America sneezes or when the US stock market goes down, you know, the rest of the world catches a cold. Which
0: is an incredibly scary and appropriate and ironic metaphor to use right now. (laughs) You know,
1: when America sneezes, the world gets a cold. That's exactly right. So we, we are now interlinked with one another unlike any other time in human history. Mm. And so the population of the world is larger than it's ever been. We're almost up to 8 billion people. The divisions, the tensions, the challenges, they are just enormous. And Jesus actually speaks of our day and uh, the mindset he speaks of the of the mental state of the world, and I'm speaking of as far as where people's minds will be at, where people's hearts will be at in Luke 21. Mm. And if you like, I can go to that passage. Yeah, I'd I'd be interested to to hear that. Which is really fascinating. In Luke 21, and this this is very much specifically in relation to the coming of Jesus, immediately prior to the coming of Jesus, Jesus speaks of this taking place in Luke 21, and I'll pick it up in verse 25. Jesus says, and these are his words, and there will be signs in the sun, in the moon and in the stars and in the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. And now notice these words, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. This is really fascinating. And I looked up those words in the English dictionary and I could not have better described the news headlines of today. Uh, Jesus says that there would be distress amongst the nations. If ever there was a time when nations were distressed on a collective level, it's now. We have never seen anything like that in our lifetimes. Yeah. Yeah. I've only been around for just under half a century but I have never ever seen the distress amongst the nations like we do now. People are not at work, people are not able to work, millions of people are losing their jobs. And so we have we have distress amongst the nations, political leaders are at a loss as to what to do. They're they're throwing more and more money at trying to keep the economy afloat, trying to keep the riots away from our streets. Those who have been watching the news lately know what's been happening in America. People are just agitated. They're upset. They're protesting. And so there's a lot of distress amongst the nations, as Jesus said. And he also says there would be perplexity. Now, if you look at that word perplexity or perplexed, i looked it that up. And the word simply means to almost be clueless as to what to do. It's it's almost as if this tsunami is above and beyond what we can manage and handle. And I personally believe that unless God intervenes in our current situation, and I'm praying that he does, but we know that things will escalate until Jesus comes, because that's what the Bible says. But unless God intervenes, I don't believe that our political leaders As much as I respect and pray for our political leaders, they don't have what it takes to deal with the titanic, perplexing problems that we face today. And then Jesus finishes off with that third word, men's hearts failing them from fear. Mm. And there's just so much fear. There's so much anxiety, uncertainty. So what Jesus said here is very critical. And we know that this is in the context of the coming of Jesus because of what follows next. Let me read to you. What follows next? Notice this, then, Jesus says, then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. So Jesus says, when you see this, 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 you know that my coming is very near. And Jesus uses the analogy of even at the door, you know, I'm, I'm almost there. And he says, now when you see these things begin to happen, And we are seeing the beginning of this. These are those labor pains that are really ramping up now. Now, when you see the beginning of these things, when these things begin to happen, he says, look up. Lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. So, Jesus says, when you see all these things coming to pass, when you see all the pieces of the puzzle coming together in an exponential way, when you see all the graphs heading north and they're all maxing out in every area, be it politically, be it economically, socially, the environment. We haven't even mentioned the environment Mm. and the destruction of the environment. And everyone's praising the Lord, but a lot of people are praising the Lord now for clear skies in some of our major cities that haven't seen the sun for a long time because of the shutdown and the lockdown. But when you see all these things taking place, then you know my coming is drawing really, really near. And you you are to look up because your redemption is, is drawing near. So Jesus is the one that ultimately has the solution for our sin-sick planet. It's, it's really
0: interesting, Danny, to, to, I guess, hear the difference in emphasis and, and language between uh, between y- yourself, you know, the, the evangelist, because I know you, you have the heart of, of the evangelist and and John Pauline, sort of the academic who, who wrote the article for us, because you, the language you just used was really interesting. You said, when you see these things begin to happen, well, it's not your language, it's the language of the Bible. This is the beginning of birth pains. And it seems that in the article, John Pauline says, hey, listen, COVID-19 is not a sign of the end. Mm. But he does seem to concede in his more I guess academic uh, way that this is in some way the beginning this could be the beginning of the end. Can you comment on that sense of urgency or, or timeline? I mean sh- should we be should we be panic buying and you know getting cans of baked beans in, in the basement right now and being ready for it to be all over next week or or what in terms of urgency and, and timing and things like that?
1: That's a great question, Kent. As far as uh, panic buying, uh, I do believe it's, uh, it would probably be a good idea to, to have a few supplies in reserve. I think that's uh, good practice at all times. However, the Bible encourages us not so much to hoard the cans of baked beans and the cereal and the soy milk and whatever else, but the Bible encourages us to fill our minds with that which alone will see us through whatever tough time comes our way to hoard the Word of God, mm. to, to allow the Word of God to come into our hearts. And uh, you you made uh, some some very important comments there regarding this being a time of urgency or people seeing this as a wake-up call. Mm. It's interesting when Jesus speaks of the signs of the times when he says what the what the final sign will be that will usher in the coming of jesus he doesn't mention plagues he doesn't mention earthquakes he doesn't mention economic crises and prophets false and false christs and so on and so forth and wars and rumors of wars jesus mentions the gospel mm-hmm. the gospel going to all the world will be the final conclusion of the signs that will bring about the coming of Jesus. And what's the gospel? The gospel simply means good news. That's what that word means. It means good news. Good news about Jesus, that He's coming back, as we just read. When you see these things, look up because your redemption is drawing near. Jesus is coming. And so all these things that we are seeing taking place before us right now is placing within us an interest. More and more people now are interested And what does the Bible have to say? How can I prepare for the end of the world? Because the end of the world is coming, according to Scripture. The end of the world is coming, and there are many scientists that believe that civilization as we know it cannot continue in this way. Things will come to an end, and the Bible clearly says that. And the best way to prepare for the end of the world is to have. Jesus in your heart and in your life. And that's to receive the good news of the gospel. That's that looking up. And so Jesus ensured that this was the final sign that would prepare people for the coming of Jesus. And are we seeing that take place right now? Absolutely. I believe like at no other time in Australia's history, at least for the last maybe 75 odd years since the end of World War II, I don't see such a spiritual interest such an interest in biblical things such an interest in the gospel as I do right now from everyday Australians they're asking questions they're willing to to take a look at what the bible has to say what does Jesus have to say about preparing spiritually for the coming of Jesus
0: well wow, thanks so much Danny. it's a, it's a lot to a lot to think about and and I guess it it is well, there must be a lot of people out there thinking, what do I need to do I- in order to prepare? How do I connect closer to, to God? How do I find out more uh, about this stuff? Do you have a couple of um, like basic steps that people could begin to take?
1: Oh, absolutely. The most important step is to give Jesus an opportunity to come into your heart and into your life and to do for you what he alone can do. I thank god for friends for family i thank god for a wonderful country that we live in a stable government i thank god for all the blessings that we have in this country that surround us but there is one blessing that no family member no friend uh, no government no workplace no you fill in the blank can be able to do for you, which each and every person desperately needs. I need that. You need that. And that is that hole in the heart that we all have that Jesus alone can fill. Jesus Mm. alone can fill the the famous Irish band U2. They they've got a famous hit single. From a few years ago, and this kind of dates me, I still haven't found what I'm looking for Mm -hmm. was the title. And really, until a person comes face to face with Jesus, until you give Jesus an opportunity, you won't have that peace that passes all understanding that the Bible says Jesus is referred to as the Prince of Peace. And if there ever was a time when we needed peace, it's right now. And Jesus, as you invite him into your heart and into your life, you receive that beautiful peace from the Prince of Peace himself. The one that when he came, the angels say, sang, Peace and goodwill to all men. He wants to come into your heart and into your life. And that is the best way to prepare for what's taking place, not only in the here and now, but ultimately prepare for that great day when Jesus will come. And the Bible says there'll be no more sin, no more suffering, no more sorrow, no more COVID-19, no more pain of any description, because Jesus will come and he will make all things new and there'll be no more of that which sadly has brought so much pain and suffering into our world and into our lives
0: well that's certainly something uh, worth looking forward to hey if uh, if you would like to hear more of pastor danny uh, malinkov why don't you check out the uh, weekly live stream from hillview adventist church the website is hillview.adventist.org.au there's a live stream at 11:00 11 a.m. on Saturday morning. That's uh, Eastern um, Australian, you know, Eastern Seaboard time. So, yeah, check that out there. And thank you so much, Danny, for, uh, for sharing with us today. A lot to think about.
1: Thank you so much, Kent, for the opportunity. And I'm just praying that each person will come away with a renewed sense of hope, meaning and purpose and peace in their hearts as a result of just tapping into God's Word and the wonderful message of the Gospel that we have there.
0: Today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Signs of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au. Signs of the Times has been published in Australia since 1886 and is proudly produced by Adventist Media. This is an Adventist Media podcast.